Welcome to Life, bringing you insight and experiences into love, relationships, and fertility, with a focus on enjoying life and moving forward. On today's podcast, we'll be discussing functional medicine, which is taking one's environment, lifestyle, and genetics into account to build a roadmap to good health with Dr. Miriam Rahav from the Rahav Wellness Center. Welcome to Life. Love, insight, fertility, experiences. Today we'll be speaking with Dr. Miriam Rahab, who's board certified in internal medicine, hospice and palliative medicine, and functional medicine. And she's also a certified acupuncturist. Dr. Rahab established the Rahab Center to provide people with care focused on the interaction our environment, lifestyle, and genetic predisposition has on our health. This information allows her and her colleagues to develop a personalized roadmap for health restoration. There's so many components to good health, which equates to good fertility and improvements in all conditions. Dr. Rahav, thank you so much for being here today. It is so wonderful to be here. There is so much to talk about, and I think we're just going to scratch the surface of what functional medicine is and maybe give people an overview and an understanding of it. So where should we start? Um, I guess we can under, uh, start from understanding what functional medicine is as an operating system. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so if we think about the way doctors think, uh, we learn about physiology, what is normal physiology, and then we learn what abnormal physiology is. And then that's a true. lot of medical education is also focused on how to manage physiology when it strays from the normal. Um, so, and it's always so hard when it's strays yeah. because lots of times there's no answer. There's just ruling out, but there's not necessarily that investigation. Mm-hmm. So the rule what they're what the hypothesis is out is that uh, yeah. True? I would say I would say I, I would qualify that a little bit more, Good. and I would say that we are trained to identify pathology. And the pathology that we're taught to identify tends to be on uh, the more dramatic end of the spectrum, if you will. Okay. So when physiology is so decompensated um, and pathology, the level of pathology is so dramatic that we need powerful interventions to correct. So um, Okay, because when I had made that statement, I was thinking of unexplained infertility. So, so I, I think I, I'm going to get there, yeah. but, but I would say that, because I want to speak of, about how grateful I am also for my training in medicine and how much I, I love and respect my colleagues in medicine. Um, and what, what my training was certainly in residency was to be able to address extremes of pathology. If uh-huh. the heart can no longer compensate for its challenges and isn't, isn't working properly and then fluids aren't moving, so that's congestive heart failure, for example, or a heart attack, yes. or um, when, when insulin can no longer work to get sugar into the cells and we have extremely high blood sugar and what happens to physiology when you have extremely high blood sugar um, that can be life-threatening so we you know we, no, it's essential so those information are, those, so. that's all essential information and, and we're and thank goodness for a healthcare system that can help rescue us from those extremes of pathology but I think what we're going to talk about now is the somewhere in between well, that's the piece that I was referring to. Yes. Is that somewhere in between? I mean, I have people in my immediate family who are physicians and who are in the medical system. So, mm-hmm. 
when I say that, yeah. it's always the pieces of like, well, what do we do? We can't figure this one out. Right. And that is such a key concept. Um, so what if we're feeling things and those things could be, I just feel blah, or I just feel tired, or my mood isn't so chipper, or I have heavy bleeding and lots of cramping every period, or my mood really deteriorates before every period, or I'm not having, I'm not able to achieve an orgasm, or my orgasms are lackluster compared to the, I'm just speaking about, let's say, women's health issues, for example, but not necessarily my exercise tolerance is down, my overall feeling of vitality is diminished. Somebody who is saying, I I'm short of breath a lot now, and right. I never was before. Right. Or I'm finding like this little... And, and my chest x-ray is normal, and my oxygen, oxygen saturation is normal. Right. Meaning was... I'm not able to explain my symptoms through what I myself, you know, I'm saying I myself mm-hmm. have been trained to do, which is identify um, more extremes of pathology. And if I don't find that extreme of pathology, I don't necessarily then have something to offer that person who is feeling off kilter imbalance and this could be with any part of the body it could be with your eye or it could be with your leg or your stomach Mm -hmm. uh, your heart of course diabetes so any part of your body correct so now and so what do we do do for that yeah so that's where there's this disconnect and then there's a human right who has a sense that they're not as they should be and you ask you know, uh, a wonderful physician who has been trained in medicine and is trying their best to meet the need of that person. And we're running laboratory tests. We're looking at a blood count. We're looking at liver function. We're looking at kidney function. We're screening the thyroid and everything seems to be okay. And so that very smart and brilliant and caring physician is going to say, you're fine. You're fine. We can't find anything wrong. I think someone being fine and not being able to find anything wrong are not the same thing. (laughs) No, they're not. And that's kind of where you get into this unexplained. Well, unexplained is a little bit different when a physician says, we don't have a reason for it. It's just the way it is. Right. Versus you're fine. We don't see anything wrong. And so that's where functional medicine can really step in and fill a gap. Right. So we can almost look at those two different categories, Mm -hmm. right? Which is the doctor saying, you're fine. There's nothing wrong versus we don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so th- if th- that's okay. I think if, if I would translate what I think a doctor is saying is, I don't see an extreme of pathology here. Okay, very um, nicely put. And therefore the, the question is, well, what is going on? And that is, that is a gap that functional medicine is so beautiful at filling in. So maybe I can explain a little bit here about yes, the operating that'd be system. Great. So... What we're really looking at is, is, is what you described so beautifully. We're looking at environment. We're looking at nutrition. We're looking at some genetics. Um, that's a fast burgeoning and really rich field. And how those pieces of the puzzle can actually inform our state of well-being. We are both deepening the menu of exploration, um, even laboratory exploration, but what is now within a medical model as a workup to explain why someone feels off. We're so deepening w- it and broadening it. So when you're looking at, you know, I use the term biopsychosocial mm-hmm. components of what mm-hmm. makes up a person. Right. You're truly doing that. Yes. Yes. Um, and 
let me see if I can give you an example. I saw a person today uh-huh. who I met two weeks ago. Okay. And um, that person came into my office with um, very bright red skin that was swelling and cracking on oh. her hands and on her face. And, it been painful. and it was painful, but it was also scary because it was getting worse okay. and it was getting worse. And she had already been put on steroids a few times, both topical um, on the skin that was cracked and red and swelling and oh internally and her body wasn't responding. And so doctors were raising their hands and not knowing what to do. Right. Um, this poor thing. Yes. And so... She had a few questions. Um, she had some water damage in her apartment. She said, "You know, what is, is there an environmental story here?" Um, she had radically tried to change her nutrition and was um, just eating steamed vegetables and fish, which was supposed to be a great idea to kind of help her system cool off. Right. Um, and what I discovered for her, and this is just an example, is that she. Um, she was in an inflamed state and instead of trying to mop up that inflammation with steroids, we were able to modulate inflammation by addressing the gut. Um, Wow. And And isn't that central all the time, the gut? Always central. Always. Always central. So... In, in, in every scenario, in every scenario, we have to examine the gut. It doesn't mean that the gut is the be-all and end-all, but it does mean that it plays a pivotal role in understanding our health, everyone's health. And when I, yeah. when I say gut, I don't just mean the GI tract. I'm including the liver yes. um, as part of the, the gastrointestinal system. Right. Well, that makes sense. Because everything goes through the liver. Exactly. So it really makes sense. Exactly. Wow. And the, the liver's ability to um, to process the sum total of what we're exposed to, and this is a concept I wanted to introduce to you, mm-hmm. the concept of the exposome, which is the sum total the of what exposome. we're... The exposome. The exposome. It's, okay. a, it's a neat term yes. to describe the sum total of our environmental exposures, the food we eat, the air we breathe, the water we drink, the things that touch our skin, which we might not think about, the 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 cleaning materials that yeah. are around us, the cosmetic materials, um, those are um, all part of our exposome. And also part of our exposome actually um, can be our internal environment. So if our internal environment, and this is another key concept and key word that our, uh-huh. our, our listenership and you, uh, I'm sure, have heard the microbiome, which is describing the internal universe um, of, our, of our intestinal tract. Um, so our, our GI tract, we would, what, thought of as a tube, and it's so much more. It's the good bugs that are lining our GI tract, that are processing our food, and that also help us process our environmental exposures, play a huge role in our health. And so um, our exposome also includes things like antibiotics that we may have had that shift our internal environment, or chlorine in our water 
can shift our internal environment or our dental treatments Mm -hmm. can shift our internal environment. Or if we have an imbalance, let's say in our sinuses and we have sinuses that are infected and then draining into our throat and we swallow that can affect our internal environment. So really what you're saying is anything that touches us right? is that part is, of this idea of becomes, exposome and it becomes part of us becomes part of us and can become part of um i guess we could say the total load that our body sees that needs to process and at any given point in time our body is incredible at maintaining balance but then we can have a factor such as for example mold exposure Um, that this woman may have experienced that pulled her body out of that balance and then she started manifesting and taking... You see this, I'm sorry for interrupting, but you see this especially with Lyme disease, Mm -hmm. right? It stays dormant in people's bodies. I'm sorry to go so far off. No, it's absolutely relevant. But you see it in Lyme disease a lot and unfortunately I know a couple people Mm -hmm. with Lyme disease Mm -hmm. and it's a horrible condition that is... Do you mean chronic? Yes. Like chronic Lyme disease. Chronic Lyme disease. Right. Yes, that it's been dormant for years. Right. And then they'll take something and it may trigger it. And all of a sudden their whole system goes into a tailspin. Right. And life is no longer as they knew it. Right. But what chronic Lyme disease is, for example, the way we treat, we say, okay, here is an infection. And so we treat it with something to kill infection, it right? An antibiotic. Yeah. However, oftentimes there are or for for chronic, uh, uh, persistent symptoms of Lyme, there have to be other things at play. For example, um, in chronic Lyme, I'll frequently find other, especially if they've already been treated, there's already, by definition, because this is a human who's had so much exposure to antibiotics. And steroids. um, And steroids. Um, sometimes, not necessarily, depends oh, yeah. on the spectrum of symptoms. Not necessarily, okay. but um, Lyme can also affect musculoskeletal health and can lead to joint inflammation. Yeah. It can manifest in, in the brain. Um, what's interesting about Lyme um, that I've learned over time is that uh, Lyme has an affinity, which means it likes certain parts of the body. And one of the things that Lyme likes is the lining of our blood vessels. Oh, And so... Uh, a a part of our body that is maybe hurt for another reason can be bo- more vulnerable to colonization. It can be, for example, um, in the neck, um, and right. or it can be in the leg, or it can be in the GI tract. Lyme is also dubbed the great mimicker because it can manifest in so many ways. I don't... I. I cannot prove this as a clinician. I just have patterns, right? So part of clinical thinking as a doctor, how we think is about pattern making. Right, and so absolutely. Lyme can be associated with musculoskeletal health. It can be associated in my clinical practice with hair loss. It can be associated with a sense of diminished clarity, brain fog, um, a lack of overall so vitality. When, when we right? find this, yeah, I mean, it, it could be associated with so many different things. So when... When you look at these conditions, whether mm-hmm. it be Lyme disease mm-hmm. or infertility right. or um, 
irritable bowel syndrome chronic or pain. chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia or medically unexplained infertility or Any autoimmunity, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, multiple yeah. sclerosis, uh, uh, high blood pressure, which is one of the most common things we treat in internal medicine, diabetes, metabolic syndrome. The list goes on and right. on it's and endless. on. So what do you do? You so how do we understand the drivers of that process as opposed to just managing that process? Correct. Because in order to have opportunity to correct it mm-hmm. and to build this roadmap that you we were talking about right, prior right you need to be able to identify what the has exposome. to change. The right? elements the of the exposome that are pulling the body out of its ability to equilibrate, or as we say in science speak, maintain homeostasis. Okay, very good. Okay, so um, one of the things that so so let's someone's walking into um, in, in into my center for an evaluation for the first time. What happens? What are we looking at? The first thing that happens is that I have the honor of meeting someone virtually before they walk in. We have uh-huh. extensive questionnaires. Uh-huh. We ask about their nutrition. Uh-huh. We ask about um, their social milieu. Uh, how are things going at work? How are things are go- going at home? Where is their stress coming from? Is it from home? Is it from work? Is it finances? Is oh, this it is health? fabulous. Really fabulous. Uh, we ask about their chemical sensitivities. Do they notice that they have chemical sensitivities? We ask about their birth history. Were they born by normal spontaneous vaginal delivery? Were they born by C-section? Were they breastfed? Really? Were they bottle fed? This is information that I know about everyone walking through the door. Wow. Yeah. And how I know born? about their dental history. Mm-hmm. Because we know, going back to the microbiome, that people who are born normal spontaneous vaginal delivery versus C-section have different microbiomes. Our first inoculation from the microbiome is when we're born and inhale, Brace yourself, vaginal secretions also help colonize our baby microbiome. Moms whose microbiomes are depleted inherit to babies depleted microbiomes. Wow. So there's... um, There's so many things... Could you go into that a little bit more so people understand it? Yes. Okay. I know we don't have a ton of time, but just... Briefly. Yeah, I know. We're, we're going to scratch the surface today, and yeah. then we can always explore one topic or another in greater depth, and that, that would be, be so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, let's talk about um, how we inherit our microbiome. It was previously thought that uh, where the, the womb is sterile, but in fact, it's not. And so we actually start inheriting a microbiome as we breathe in and out the amniotic fluid. So that's really coming from the person who's carrying you, yes, it's whether it's your egg or not your egg or your, your embryo. It's, it's your, your own milieu becomes part of that, uh, that little person's milieu growing inside you. And that's really fascinating. I just want to say a little, uh, a little, little tidbit about this because what we know is that the amount of cells that are in our gut outnumber our own cells 10 to 1. As one of my mentors and teachers said, I'm actually bacteria wearing a suit because he's more bacteria than human. So are we all. Oh, my goodness. So that's, that's amazing. It's staggering. And what I'm so thrilled about you saying this is, and I think, you know, I run a support group yes. for people who have um, conceived through using a donor egg. Donor egg. Or even donor sperm, which I know it wouldn't relate. But actually, their own cellular matter is part of this baby. It's not just that 
that seed, it's the environment that that seed developed in. Is there's I've, more cellular matter from the the person carrying, just because of that whole concept so of microbiome. So I've talked about this so often with so many people through the years that I can't wait for them to hear this. To be mm-hmm. honest with you, yeah, it's I really, really powerful. It's really powerful because it doesn't. I could never wrap my brain around the fact of no DNA absorption or no absorption. Well, there, the other thing I want to tell you, which some, is also staggering, that I learned is that we have immune cells that literally grab microbiota from our gut and carry it into the ducts of our breast milk and drop it into baby. So we grow our microbiome also through breast milk. So now what exactly does this do? So we find out. So what we're... Because what about these poor children born through C-section? Now are all these... Well, I'm actually one of those poor children. My poor mom too. Um, So, and, and that's the thing here. It's all of this is about growing our awareness. So my mom had a C-section baby, and because of that, she's alive. Uh-huh. And because of that, I'm alive. And because of that, I was able to have a brother. Uh-huh. And so I'm so grateful for medical technology to give us life. What we didn't know is that that would affect our microbiome and maybe make us change our susceptibility to other things, right? So. My mom, for example, had studied about how important breastfeeding was. And that was actually challenging after a C-section because breastfeeding in this incredible way also causes the release of oxytocin. Mm -hmm. And we can, I mean, there's so many things to talk about. Oxytocin causes contraction of the uterus. And so breastfeeding helps the uterus return to normal. Right, So the contraction of the uterus and our own healing postpartum is linked to nursing and the way we're designed in this elegant way, right? And so even though I was born by C-section, I was breastfed and therefore there is some development of the microbiome that way, right? But what we could do post-C-section, for example, understanding that important role of the microbiome is uh, what women do now sometimes is um, take a probiotic. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a great, um, am I allowed to make recommendations about brands and things or we leave that out? Um, um, but uh, uh Natrin makes a simple, like a life start. Uh-huh. It's a single strain probiotic and it's in a powder and you can make a little paste of it. Uh-huh. And women will just apply that to the nipple, for example, to give babies uh, an inoculus of probiotic, for example, as compensation post C-section. Yeah, and I know that they give toddlers probiotics also these days, that they have them for children. Mm-hmm. And, and, and oftentimes ones. if someone has, let's say, inflammatory bowel disease, such as ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease, we can link that back to an imbalance in the microbiome. And there too, we can start with a single strain like lactobacillus rhamnosus mm-hmm. um, and start building the microbiome the same way we would for a baby. Oh, my goodness, that's wonderful. So, okay, so I just want to move forward just a yes. little bit because yes. I could talk about this forever. But Me too. What fabulous information. And so even if you're born through C-section yeah. and, you know, unfortunately your mom has to go through the surgery, right. you still get what you need. You just have to be aware that you need it to get it another way. It starts with awareness. It starts with awareness. Yes. Doesn't um, everything Yes, which is why we're here. Yes, it's why we're here to grow awareness, awareness. which is why I admire you so much for creating these opportunities to grow awareness and community around this work. Look what you're doing. (laughs) I don't know about that, but um, you're doing unbelievable 
gift actually for all of these people. And I imagine when people come to your office, many of them have been through the gamut. So yes. now you do this incredible intake online. Right. So Hi. I already read through that. So when someone walks uh-huh. through the door, I am I have some thoughts, but it's nothing like meeting the the human. Um, right. um, and that's such a precious experience. It's um, Because what's on the paper might look very different than the person walking in the door. Right. Or it's really, so tell me the story, and I'm going to tell the story back to you. But of course, my goggles are functional medicine goggles. And so I can make a pattern and a meaning out of, um, out of a story. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I had someone come in the other day who is dealing with chronic fatigue, and she told me a story that um, the second semester of her first year in college, she had a viral illness, and since then she was never the same. And it was a thunderclap situation. Um, And she's been managed and mismanaged, and, and throughout this whole story, actually, interestingly, she lost her period. So that's an interesting thing about how fertility can be affected by infection and stressors and all these other pieces of the puzzle. But um, I probed a little further. And I said, so you were a healthy child? And she said, yeah, absolutely. And it was like, so did you have ear infections or throat infections? And she's like, well, I had sinus infection after sinus infection growing up all the time. I was like, so you had lots of courses antibiotics? She said, nonstop. I was like, so you weren't exactly a perfectly well child. And she's like, well, I guess not. She's like, actually, come to think of it, she said, I noticed when I started having like sleepovers in high school that all my peers were able to stay up and talk and I couldn't keep my eyes open. And the same thing at summer camp, I was falling asleep. I was like, so... You actually were fatigued, not to the point where you couldn't function at work or in life, but more than your counterparts as a young person. Right. What this means, this changes our understanding of what happened to you. And it's this concept of the sum total of the exposome, right, where she was relatively able to manage herself and maintain some kind of reasonable state of homeostasis. And then that viral illness in her second semester of freshman year pushed her over the edge. But she already may have had chronic sinus inflammation, chronic tonsillar inflammation. So really through all the conversation and the intake you you obtain. Um, I retell the story you retell through the a clinical story. eye. Yes, and the beauty of this is that you are able to spend the time with the people to do that. Yes. And whereas sometimes That's when such you a go to a traditional you know, medical center or doctor's office, they... It's, it's, not, it's not my colleagues, it's the system. In There's many cases it is. There's a system that makes it harder for my brilliant colleagues to spend the time that sometimes it's that time it's it's the hand right it's the it's the warmth of a glance it's the caring in your eyes that is the best medicine and um I, I agree and my husband has this saying yeah that um he works in healthcare also and, no. and he said nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care that is so beautiful. I yeah. might have to borrow And that. as his son was going through <laughs> medical school, he was sure to tell him that. It, it's very true. It sets the stage. And if you don't, if that's not there, 
actually, there's a brilliant study um, that David Raquel, who is a, a founding father uh-huh. of um, integrative medicine, he did an amazing study where um, he it was a randomized control trial where people who are presenting to primary care with uh, upper respiratory infection, just a cold, mm-hmm. were randomized into two groups of doctors, and it was scripted. One, both doctors had the same prescription, the same conservative, whatever it was, vitamin C, echinacea, rest, tea, lemon, honey. Right. That uh, was a fixed script, uh, prescription, sorry, a fixed prescription, but the delivery was different. So one doctor had cues had to make study. eye contact mm-hmm. to say, I'm so sorry, that must be so hard for you, or just validate someone in their, in their feeling of discomfort and suffering. And the other person was told not to make eye contact, to be colder, to look away, and then just you know write the prescription. And it, and it was shown in the study that the people with the empathic encounter healed more quickly. I'm not surprised. I'm really That's not. That's David Raquel. What a genius. Yeah. What a great for doing that study. study. Yeah. I mean, really, I I remember when I used to work in hospitals, which was many yeah. years ago, the residents were taught at that point in time that if you listen to your patient, you'll get your answers. Mm-hmm. And I used to actually teach uh, residents how to communicate with patients so and how beautiful. to talk to them. 99.9% of diagnosis is in history. I was taught yeah. that by the brilliant doctors who trained me those old school doctors yeah and the younger doctors what's happening isn't not they're not given the chance they're not because everything's on the computer not looking at the patient but more kind of just trying to make sure that all the regulations are met by looking at the screens and making sure everything's checked off and i think that the caring is there of course it's just the pressure of of making sure that all of the logistics and you know kind of structures in place and everything's checked off Mm-hmm. But checked off in a different way mm-hmm. than, than you do it. So you have somebody, we only have a few minutes left, I'm being told. Oh. But if if somebody comes into the office now and you do this workup and you okay, spend so this the workup. So there's a storytelling, there's a yes. physical exam, those are things. And, and just the background in acupuncture. Acupuncture has lent me so much for the physical exam. Um, so we can talk about how Chinese tongue diagnosis helps inform my physical exam, for example. Anyway, we won't go too long into that, but that has greatly enhanced my ability to also see and appreciate the body, the energy meridians, the interconnections. You know, someone has a bump or something hurting them on the side of their leg. And they're like, my, this side, the side of my leg keeps on swelling. So what is that? They're not running. It's not overuse. But I said, it's on the, the lateral side of the lower leg and it's on the right side in particular more than the left. And that was a person who had actually lost their gallbladder. And that is exactly on the gallbladder meridian. Oh, my goodness. And so the energetic relationships are there. It's like all the answers are there if only we know how to read the map. So then what do we, how do we do that? Because I think How do we read the map? Yeah, like when somebody goes to your center and they walk out, what do they walk out with? This poor woman with the scabs and now oh, you've identified what's going so, on with her. How, so how so for she... her, actually, uh, oh, my God, I have to go into treatment. Um, no, don't go into the treatment so much. If but you what did I do? No so, well, I actually treated her oh, on the did? same day. Mm-hmm. Oh. I treated her on the same day. So what I wound up doing for her is I wound up giving her a... Um, a particular powder that's immunoglobulins um, that helps neutralize inflammation and the inflammatory um, response to 
um, infection at the level of the gut. So it's it's immunoglobulins, which is actually what we receive passively in breast milk is also immunoglobulins to kind uh-huh. of support her immune system. So that was one. Two, I gave her um, antihist- antihistamines, herbal Herbal antihistamines actually work really well in, in kind of mixture. So there's quercetin and there's uh, stinging nettles, which sounds scary, but it's not. And tinifola, uh, tinifola cortis. Anyway, so uh, um, um, and and vitamin C actually. Uh-huh. Um, it's a combo. Like so they're a combination I, for yeah. you. So we so gave you her a whole bunch of different antihistamines to I, walk out with. To walk out with. So she walked out with. And she something. also walked out with a combination of bentonite clay and charcoal that actually also serves to mop up toxins at the gut wall and quench the inflammatory response. Um, and she actually came in as an add-on that day. It was kind of an SOS. She was in extreme d- uh-huh. uh, distress, both physically but also emotionally. She was in a state of high anxiety and and actually that day our phlebotomist had already needed to leave and so she came in the following morning to get the blood work and she was already better Wow. Um, so, that's so that's just an example of how we can take a story and then we can take clinical tools and, and, um, so when you discuss the roadmap, what mm-hmm. you're really saying is we need to understand your history and what's happened to you in life so that we can understand how to put you on the path and put you to where you want to be. Right. And sometimes that's a gentle process depending on the acuity of the situation. Uh-huh. Um, so when a situation is acute, just like in, in, um, in hospital medicine, we don't have time to wait. Um, Sometimes we can use a tincture of time and it's a powerful Mm -hmm. clinical tool and sometimes we need to act. And someone's response, right? So the luxury of me having to put my eyeballs on her the next day and see that she was responding was also Mm -hmm. therapeutic for me because I knew I had guided her correctly. So that quick turnaround um, sure. You know, so the therapy, if it works, becomes diagnostic that that was the issue at right. hand. Right? And I'm sure her her mood elevated also. Which is she had hope. So yeah. what I I guess I guess the best thing that someone can walk out of my office with is hope. That they yeah. uh, the hope that it is within our power to inform in a positive way their health trajectory. Yeah, it sounds like to me it, the best thing is the hope, but also that they're starting to see. Tools. Tools. Real and they're tools. starting to see caring. Mm-hmm. And they're starting to see that there's a whole nother An insight avenue. and understanding and how the dots connect. And right. that their body makes sense. And this is, I think, the bottom line for, like, the total is yeah. that the body always, 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 always makes sense. And it's for us to hopefully cobble together enough tools mm-hmm. for the sense making. Thank you so much. And really what I'm taking from this is when we talk to people and we listen to them and we get all the information, we can try and really figure it out and pinpoint it. We can. But it takes the time and it takes looking at the entire environment and milieu that this person is living in and has lived in. We initially spoke and we had said that good health equates to good fertility mm-hmm. and good everything. So powerfully so. So it's and that fertility somebody- is a sign of overall health. And that yeah. if you struggle with fertility, it can be such a blessing because it's a window in which we can explore your overall health. Yeah, um, That's what uh, that woman who I described with the skin, we learned other things um, that we did with her blood work that will inform her future health trajectory. And so we said thank you to this skin phenomena that happened to walk her through the door 
And for me to then be able to advocate for it and empower her, not just to get rid of a skin phenomena, which is already gone, but then mm -hmm. to plan for healthy living for the rest of her life. That's beautiful. And it's a beautiful kind of path for her to have now and mm -hmm. understand. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, yeah. how would they do that? They can call us. Okay. <laughs> they can call us. I have the most wonderful, um, compassionate team that really, none of us can do this alone, right? So right. Um, I have this amazing work family that is also there to listen and help individuals navigate. We have a few providers. And, and what I say to my team is anyone calling is an opportunity to help. And so even if that might not be our expertise, we can always use that as an opportunity to advocate. So maybe we have a colleague who we think is an expert, yeah. or maybe it's, it's a question about a child. And I'm an adult medicine doctor. And so I've seen older kids, but maybe not an no, infant and I so on agree. and so it's forth. It's so important to be able to refer people to appropriate people. Right. That's what you want. Which is how we met, right? Absolutely, yeah. You want people to get the help they need. Mm -hmm. And if you can't do it, you want to give them absolutely. options. Absolutely. So could you give them the phone number? Yes. Okay. It's area code 646-503-5202. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again so much for being here. Thank you so and much it, for having me. I oh, think you're oh, fabulous. Oh, and this, this project and bringing this information to the world is so oh, great. Thank, thank you for being you. a messenger. Oh, thank you. It's really all come from my practice and things I've heard people need or want or mm -hmm. interested in. If anybody has any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at lauriemetz.net.